What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. And I am Barry Horn, and that's the third time in a row you've gotten that right. Really? Yeah. I did all the time. I never screwed that You're up. a pro I am from a Dover. Pro. I am the pro from Dover. And speaking of pros from Dover, we got one on the line with us right now, our very own Chuck Carlton, who is, was all over the map over the weekend in what was the Bermuda Triangle of, you like that phrase, of college you? football results last weekend in Waco, Austin, and College Station. Uh, Chuck, how are you? Yes, and I'm all over the map today from Waco down to Austin and then back to Dallas. Oh, it's another long day. Chuck, you were in Waco. uh, This is Tuesday morning as we're recording this. You were in Waco to talk to uh, Baylor players and to Matt Rule. Uh, Have they gotten over that loss to Little Old Liberty? Well, they say they've turned the page and they really don't have much choice. But, yeah, that's going to linger for a while. You know, a loss to an an FCS school, and it's not exactly like losing to North Dakota State either. You know, I mean – you know, Liberty has nice quarterback, really good receiver, but they're going to face those up and down the line in the Big 12. You know, it's it's a case where you have, you know, Gravian Roy, the uh, big defensive tackle who played well in the game, admitted that, yeah, they probably did look past Liberty. And uh, they paid the price for it. They're not good enough now to do that. They don't have the athletes they once did. They're playing a lot of young players. Uh, Matt Rule, who lost to, you know, Fordham and Idaho in his first year at Temple in going 2-10, and 10, has been here before. He knows that this is part of the process. But I think for the Baylor fans who are used to being able to contend for the Big 12 with CFP under Art Bryles, this is going to be a, a, you know, big adjustment this year from that standpoint. I'll be, I'll be so to- I, I think Rule was trying to strike the right – kind of tone while walking a fine line between realism and positivity. You know, I, I, I was at that game, and I, I thought he was remarkably composed after that game. Uh, he said all the right things. You know, he, he didn't attack the media as, as uh, you know, people do. Like, what kind of question is that? he, he, he got to make some friends. Yeah, and he, he does. And I, I thought he took the, the perfect tone after that game. And uh, no, no, I think he, I think he gets it. He's had to work his way up. Um, uh, again, games like this is why he got a seven-year contract. You know, it's going to take a while, and I don't think necessarily that all the fans in Waco quite understood that. Now, the Barry, you were there. So, what was the fan reaction like in that game? It was. I think it was just this disbelief. 
And I think I think did, from, did they leave? Did they hang around? No, they hung around. Uh, those that were there from the start, but but it it, it, it was it wasn't a boisterous. Uh, no, it wasn't a crowd for a TCU game. I'll tell you that right now. But it, it it was it. But you know, you sat there and you just waited. You go okay, because Baylor uh, twice after uh, they scored, Baylor came back. Twice after Liberty scored, Baylor came back almost immediately and scored a touchdown. You know, to, to, to come close again, and you just you were just waiting. This is it. This is it. You know, Baylor's going to put their foot on the gas and go, and it just never happened. And that quarterback, who uh, Rule knew, Rule knew everything about him because I think he tried to recruit him at Temple, the Liberty quarterback. He's from Miami, Miami Carroll City High School, which is a big, uh, always been a good uh, source of source source of athletes. Um, it it was just it was almost down to the last two minutes. You thought Baylor was was going to come back and win the game, and then they just, they just couldn't do it. Chuck, when, we, when you and I were talking uh, yesterday, and you put this, and I think you're right. You said that when you in that early game, that eleven o'clock game Central Time, when when Texas played Maryland, that you thought that the uh, losing to a seventeen point underdog. Well, it was going to be the story of the weekend, and then uh, and then the Baylor lost to Liberty, which was a little worse, and then the Texas A&M lost to UCLA, in which they blew a 34-point lead in the third quarter, was worse than that. So uh, let's go back to let's we've talked about Baylor. Let's go back to that first loss, the the one that, of of Texas to Maryland. And the thing to me is that wasn't a fluke. That wasn't a no. case of weird bounces in there. In fact, most of the weird bounces went Texas's way. That's that absolutely game. right. I can't remember the last time I saw a team score three non-offensive touchdowns and still lose yeah. by double figures, which is what Texas did. That shows you just how much uh, this is a snapshot from uh, you know Holton Hill of Texas starts the game off first minute deflection interception. Pick six, Texas up seven nothing. For the rest of the first half, Maryland outscored Texas thirty to seven. Yeah, think about that. And this is a Maryland team that lost by a combined score of one twenty one to six last season to Ohio State and Michigan. <laughs> you know, they they started off four zero. You know, in the Big Ten, finished two and seven. Uh, yes, DJ Durkin's doing a nice job, but uh, this, you know, uh, as, as Tom Herman was saying on Monday. You know, there's a long way to go. This is, you know, he was trying to say, you know, you know this was kind of a, a dose of reality. This is not finished. Probably anybody who was thinking that this was a top 25 program, that this was going to be like his first year at Houston, think again. Yeah, this cake has not been baked. Uh, and I don't even know if, the, the, if they can find the kitchen at this point. Why is but, it? But, but what, what, didn't Charlie Strong tell us this was going to be the year? Well, that's why I was just referring to the cake being baked. Uh, yeah, I understand that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Charlie, yeah, Charlie yeah, said they're yeah. going to win 10 games. And, and, you know, to me, you watch this team play against Maryland, and I'm thinking, this is, this is a Charlie Strong team. I mean, we all uh, you know, said this is what you came to expect from him, and this is why he got fired after only three years. And Tom Herman, and I'm not saying a guy is going to turn everything around in the first game. I didn't think that, like you, I didn't think Texas deserved to be a top 25 team. I think that they will struggle to win eight. I thought going into the season they would struggle to win eight games. I don't think there's any way they win eight games now. I'm not even sure they can have a winning record. So yeah, I think a bowl game is in doubt right now. Oh, I, I do. Mean, there's no question. Look at the, go over that schedule a little bit with us, Chuck, and and see where where these wins are going to come from. Well, okay, you have presumably a win against San Jose State, although 
Shane Bouchelle is nursing a bruised throwing shoulder, so you might see true freshman Sam Ellinger out there, and you don't know what you get. Then a trip to the Coliseum and USC, that's not looking really promising right now. not looking good. A, A Thursday game at Iowa State, which is always problematic, and there's nothing the Cyclones would like to do to make up for all those, you know, bad Big 12 calls over the years. But, right. you know, <laughs> right. and if you remember the, the Charlie Strong team that went in there and got shut out 24 to nothing. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then you just followed up K-State, you know, yeah. even in Austin at Shore. That's tough. Red Bill, River Bill Snyder will have something planned. Yeah. yeah. Red River rivalry and Oklahoma State, which looked, Awfully, awfully good. Uh, admittedly, playing Tulsa, but Tulsa's not a bad, you know, American athletic program. And and that's th- those, you know, the next five. And that's how many wins are in there. So, so, so you know, they, they could be one in six. Is that what? Is that what we're saying? Two and five, and that's then you still have the road trips to TCU, which is manhandled in the last three years. Right. And and West Virginia in November. Right. And I saw. I saw Art Briles' best Baylor team go in there with Bryce Petty at quarterback and and a bunch of, you know, uh, very uh, uh, inebriated fans, even early in the day in Morgantown. 64,000 there, spreading snow, and Baylor didn't know I hit him. You know, that's that's a tough place to play and win, you know, late in the season. And what so, about Kansas? Yeah, don't, don't, don't denigrate Kansas. No, I, I think I'm giving them Kansas. You're giving them Kansas? I'm giving them Kansas. Did you give them Kansas last year? Where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's the revenge. That's the rivalry game. That's yeah, the there you go. Game now, yeah. And this is uh, a, this is a really tough place for for them to be in. And this, I, I just to me, Chuck, you know, a, a situation is always uh, about a new coach coming in. When he's trying to turn something around, if you don't have the athletes, that's one thing, which is a crazy thing to say about Texas. Texas. How is it that Texas could not have the athletes? But when they look like they're not being coached up well, and to me, that's what special teams is all about. Special teams is all about coaching, you know. And when you struggle on your special teams, that shows me that you're not preparing well. And they can, you know, they obviously they had some breaks on special teams, but they continue to struggle in those areas as well in that opener. Well, and what are the hallmarks? and you hate to go back to the Mac Brown era, but how many times did Mac Brown need that crucial field goal and get that crucial field right. goal at yes. just the right time? You know, whether it was uh, um, uh, the game at Nebraska in the snow yeah. or Hunter Lawrence in the Big 12 title game against Nebraska, you know, all those, you know, situations over the years. And, and now you know, I, I don't blame Texas fans for cringing when the kicker goes out on the field. I mean, you know, the the grad transfer from LSU was not good last year. Now they've got a, a former JUCO All-American kicking, uh, and he was just bad. Low, you know, uh, a miss from 42, a low kick from 44 that got returned for a touchdown. Yikes. Yeah, it's it's a mess. that happened in the A and M game too, right? There was a missed field goal uh, in the in the fourth quarter that was kind of stunning. It was came up short. It was a short field goal, and you wonder in the whole state of Texas, can't they come up with a couple of field goal kickers? Well, that, that's always been my 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 complaint oh. is that the two things about kickers and punters. 
If I get, first of all, if I got a bad team, the first guy I'm going to go find is a good punter. Yeah, get me, get me out and of trouble. And, and they don't want to give scholarships to these guys. No, they it's, don't. It's crazy. It is, it is crazy. It's crazy to me. But here's the thing, too, Chuck. Uh, uh, speaking in that situation, our old pal Richard Justice tweeted this the other day. I don't remember his exact numbers, but he was his uh, his his line of demarcation was the injury to Colt McCoy in the Rose Bowl in, in the championship game. And before that injury, I think he said in, in the previous six years, I believe he said they were 79-11 and 11, uh, at, at Texas. And since then, I think they're uh, basically 500, about 40-42, something like that, 40-42. Yeah, and, and, and under 500 in the Big 12 are just about, yeah, I think slightly under 500 Big 12. And in the last 40 games, if you just want to take that, they're 16-24. and 24. It is just unbelievable to say that, isn't it? And, and and I think there's a lot of reasons to see those types of things happening. But I and I referred to this earlier in one of our other podcasts. I'm, I'm going to write about quarterbacks this week. I don't want to simplify it too much, but uh, they've struggled to find that quarterback at Texas who's going to carry them, uh, like Vince Young did, like Colt McCoy did. And of course, I would also say that's pretty much you, you could look at the 30 years before that, and they had pretty much middling quarterback play until Vince and Colt McCoy, and then you've had uh, pretty much middling at best uh, since then as well. And then we, we just like as Barry said, we're, you, know, you, you can't find a kicker or a punter in this state. You can't find a quarterback. Uh, it, it, there, this, there's plenty of quarterbacks that are going on and playing at other schools outside this state who came from Texas. And uh, and and I, and I and I certainly Shane Bouchelle is 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 doing a, a really I, I think he's a, a talented kid. Uh, he's not the reason why they're you know they lost that game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But I will say this: to me, if your quarterback uh, is not a great passer, if you don't have a system like Baylor had under Art Briles or what Cliff Kingsbury has at Texas Tech, if you don't have a system where you just kind of plug in these guys, and, and, and Patrick Mahomes is a phenomenal quarterback and, and a great athlete, but for the most part they just kind of plug and play with those guys. If you don't have that kind of quarterback and that kind of system, you better have a dual threat quarterback. You better have a guy that that's what uh, Alabama did with Jalen Hurts. They went out and got a kid who's not a great passer, but, boy, when he takes off, he's dangerous. Uh, and I, I just don't see that uh, at, at Texas right now. Well, and that's what Tom Herman had. You look at it, um, you know, at, at Ohio State, he had Braxton Miller, who was a two-time, you know, Big Ten MVP before he hurt his shoulder. Then he, you know, he had uh, J- JT, Barrett. Been J.T. Barrett, who was a kid out of Wichita Falls who wanted to come to Texas in the worst possible way. And uh, Mac Brown said, we have Tyrone Swoops. We don't, we don't need you. So J.T. Barrett goes to Ohio State and, and, and lights it up. And, and Cardell Jones, who was a, a bigger sort of quarterback, but still. A bench young type. He, he was a load. Yes. And, and then, you know, he goes to Houston and finds a skinny receiver named Greg Ward Jr., turns him into a quarterback, and there you go. He doesn't have that guy. And that's nothing against Shane Bouchelle, but Shane Bouchelle is not the guy who's going to run for 900 yards in the season. No. You know, he might give you a gritty couple scrambles, might give you four or five yards on the keeper. That's about it. I don't know if Sam Ellinger is that guy. I think as much as Tom Herman may not want to do it, he may have to 
alter his system this first year until he gets what he needs from that standpoint. Yeah, I think this is going to be really tough, uh, a tough thing to do. And, and it's just it's just amazing to me to watch a program like Texas, founder like this. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, we, we talked about these other games, and we hadn't even talked about the A&M game yet. We will. Well, we will. Uh, but uh, if even though A&M blew that game to uh, UCLA in, the, in the, the third and fourth quarter, which is just phenomenal to watch, to me, if you line that, as I wrote, if you get a round robin and you're going to have Baylor, A&M, and Texas play, well, A&M's going to blow out Texas and Baylor both. I, I, I thought that A&M was better than Baylor going in, I mean, better than Texas going into this season. I think they're a lot better than, than Texas. They should be. Well, they should well, be. Well, you're, you're right. In, I mean, in some uh, ways. where the, the coach has been there a coach while. Coach has been there for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I thought in the, in the first half I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, my gosh, how good is A&M? I mean, wh- where are they going to go? This this team, they, they how many points? You, 31 points in the first half? You've seen, yeah. you've seen this before at A&M, well, the, you, the big first half. And but the, this is a game on the road against a team that's, that's pretty good and with a really good quarterback. And, and they were making him look bad in the first half, and they were running all through him. Uh, of course, they were doing that without and – they, and they were doing that with pretty much out of quarterback. Yeah, that was, that was a suspect too, I think. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, Chuck. All right, so you go, to the, you go out to the Rose Bowl. You're playing UCLA, a team that you barely beat the year before. Uh, you had to go to overtime when you beat them in College Station. At home. At yeah. home. Uh, and you have Jake Hubenack, who's who's not – by any stretch of the imagination, a great quarterback, but he's a senior. He's had his moments. He had a couple of good games against the Mississippi teams uh, in starts, and uh, and has played pretty well. And then you got a couple of high-profile young quarterbacks in Kellen Mond and Nick Starkle, uh, who were who were highly recruited. And so he starts Starkle, Starkle. in that game. Were you surprised that he started him? Not, not, not really. I mean, I, I think. Cubanek's got a ceiling, and I think they like what Starko brought to that offense. And and he was, uh, he wasn't like lights out outstanding, but clearly he was doing a really good job while he's in there to help build that lead. And and, and certainly the running game was a huge part of that too. Uh, what what struck me is he didn't go to Cubanek right. after Starko got hurt because yeah. I thought Cubanek was better suited to run that. I know he was probably trying to get. Mon some playing time, especially with the injury to Starkle. But then it became a situation where Mon's at this point, he's a great athlete. I think he's got a ton of upside, but he's one-dimensional right now. He's 3 of 17 throwing the football. Yeah. You know, there was there was nothing there. And it, was, it wasn't just that, but you have things like, you know, I know they're trying to you know, go quick, all these sorts of things. But when you have that lead, when UCLA is making the comeback, UCLA needs time. Yes. And they were they were giving them time. They yes. were snapping they're them in, all with They're in the hurry up. <laughs> yeah, with 20 or 50. I've even seen, you know, the Bryles offense, the Mike Leach even. You'll see, okay, they'll, they'll take the foot off the gas, go up to the line of scrimmage, and then wait for 20 seconds to go off the clock. Just sure. stand there snap the ball with two seconds to go when they're trying to do that. And I kept waiting for A&M to do it because you could see UCLA getting the confidence. Rosen was getting hot. And everything had to go right for UCLA and wrong for A&M. And, and A&M just played right along. 
Yeah, you know, the thing of, uh, of all the complaints about Kevin Sumlin, and I've heard all these complaints uh, for a long time from people on the inside and, and the outside, obviously, as well. When, when Tony Busby, uh, the Houston lawyer who's on the Board of Regents, <laughs> which to me is an unprecedented uh, rant on Facebook and then on Twitter calling for Kevin Sumlin's dismissal immediately, uh, which was just a little crazy to me that, that he would do that, that type of thing. But everything he cited are all the things that you, you've heard and everybody talks about. To me, the number one problem that, that Kevin Sumlin has presented is that what in the world is he doing with his quarterbacks? I mean, uh, he, he was gifted uh, Johnny Manziel. Uh, so, I mean, he, he made the call. But I, 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 I have to tell you, I think I'm giving Cliff Kingsbury credit for that. Uh, after that game against Florida, I was there for that game at Johnny's debut. Uh, you know, we're all focused on the fact that, you know, that A&M had blown another game that they had, were, were winning, you know, just like they'd done the year before. They had four, five fourth-quarter collapses the year before, which goes to show that, that was going on before sure. Kevin Sumlin got there. Uh, but, but Cliff Kingsbury just said at the press conference afterwards, well, we found ourselves a quarterback. And, and you know, I just wasn't focusing on that. I don't think a lot of other people were either. And, 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 boy, you talk about a quarterback whisperer. That is what, what Cliff Kingsbury is. Whatever his other faults, I'm not sure he's really a head coach. But, boy, he knows his offense and he knows his quarterbacks. And he has found them and he has sifted through them and he has found the right guy pretty much every single time. Uh, and yet Kevin Sumlin has had guys come and go. He's had, he's had top-level quarterbacks. He's, he's brought them in. I thought he would have learned his lesson uh, when he had Trevor Knight. And he said, look, here's an older guy. It'll settle things down instead of having trying to push young guys. Because as, as we talked about on the previous podcast, what Barry Switzer has seen uh, watching Oklahoma's practices Kyler of, of Kyler Murray and how well he's playing there now. And, you know, there's no controversy up there. Of course, there, w- there shouldn't be any controversy. Yeah. But, you know, there was all kinds of talk about, you know, uh, Kyler Murray and being unhappy when he was at A&M and, you know, all these young guys were unhappy. It, it's, it's a different set of circumstances when you've got a veteran quarterback who's a Heisman hopeful in Baker Mayfield. Well, and Kyler Murray's already been through this once, and he, he, yes. he knows. Yeah, and he's smart enough to know, understand all that. And so, but it's but it's all going very well, and, and it would just seem really ironic to me if, after Baker Mayfield leaves after this season, if Kyler steps in, as a, it apparently he will, and if he's successful at Oklahoma, that here was a guy that they just can't hold on to quarterbacks, and they don't, know, they don't seem to know what they're doing with them. Chuck, that's your entree now to go ahead and say something. No, no, I, 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 I get you. I was distracted here on uh, on Twitter. There was a really cute picture of a cat. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> takes takes a lot to distract you. I see. Yeah, no Ke- Kevin was ma- making a, a, an impassioned yeah I was. Uh, speech on quarterbacks and everything, and you're, yeah, you're looking yeah. at cats on Twitter. Yeah. Oh no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you have. Uh, you know, we're still waiting for uh, the Kyle Allen debut down in Houston. We yeah. had Tyler Murray at Oklahoma. Yeah. We, we had five star, and you wonder. There, there's no way they were going to keep Cliff Kingsbury, but if they had somebody that level as an offense coordinator, would there have been this kind of problem? Because the offense was with both Kyle Allen and Tyler Murray. It just sputtered well, that well, year. Yeah. Let me let me bring. It's just. It, it, and, and you just kind of wonder what's gotten away from them. I mean, the talent's been there. The draft picks have been there. They, uh, I, and, and part of it is he walked into, I think, a very good situation. As much as Mike Sherman was definitely, you know, he, not appreciated by the fan base, and I think it was probably the right move to let him go, 
uh, he left behind a well-stocked cupboard. Oh, that absolutely. first year with Manziel, and that offensive line was one of the best offensive lines uh, in recent memory I've seen, at least from a Texas team in yeah. college football. Uh, you know, that, that, they were just destroying Oklahoma in the, in, in the Cotton Bowl, and I remember uh, Matthews and Joko blocking like 20 yards downfield against people. You know, it was just like... You know, where did this come from? And now... Mike uh, Sherman could identify a offensive lineman talent. Sure, sure. And it, and it becomes this whole sort of self-fulfilling. It started with what we're going on, Feinbaum, and talking about how he's, you know, he needs to win now. Now you have a regent, you know, taking to Facebook. It's becoming a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Let me, right let, me, let me ask you this. Let's, let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. When they brought in John Chavis, he was supposed to be... The second coming of, uh, I don't know, Vince Lombardi on defense or the greatest defensive coordinator ever. He's making over a million dollars, I think, a year. Not that I'm counting somebody else's money. But well, I am. But, but I, the, the defense was, was non-existent in the second half. Well, I think in the second half what you had there was these guys were gassed. It's 100 degrees out there. Oh, uh, where do they practice? Where, where do they no, no, play? No, no, where do the, they play? The problem is, is that the station. offense. Uh, how, many did those, how did those offensive? Uh, what was the time of possession in that second half for A&M? Uh, I, I'm guessing it was, it was less than 10 minutes. He's a genius. They brought him in. He's a genius. No, you should be able to stop somebody. Look, they had position in there to, to stop everybody. What, what about the, the, the one touchdown that went right to the kid's hands? The kid is exactly where he needs to be to make that catch, and the ball goes right between his hands. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that one on John Chavis. I put this one on the offense oh, no. and on the head coach for for putting, as you said, I, I would have started Hubenak in that game and, and not Starkle. But just or because, you would have brought Hubenak in. Oh, it certainly would have brought Hubenak in as the second. Or especially when a list. Oh. I felt sorry for Kellen Mond. How unfair was that? And I don't. I never. This kid was in high school last year. So, so to me, uh, th- that's really unfair to put him in that position when he was clearly struggling with it. You should have said, "This is enough." You know, I, I got to disagree with you. What was the final score, Chuck? Forty-five, forty-four. And and you don't oh, yeah. see any problem with the with the with the defense. Look, you had another play, you had another touchdown oh. where he was trying to throw the ball out of bounds, and the ball got tipped, <laughs> and the guy catches it for a touchdown. That's fourteen points right there, right off the right off the bat. No, I'm not saying the defense. Let me tell you something. The way that game was going, they would they would have scored anyway on on that. No. Oh, you just sat there and I was sat there and watched the game. And as I've watched so you, many Aggie you, games, you were just talking about it like in a mystical kind of sense. No, it was. You you are not going to blame was this. Faded. You're that not was gonna, faded. You are not going to blame this on the on the quarterback situation. No, it's the quarterback. No, I, uh, the quarterback situation. Yes, but you you got to take note that at some point. If you have a, a genius calling as a coordinator, he's got to come up with something. He's got to do he, something. He came up with something. Did, you, did no. you not see the ball go through the kid's hands? No. Yes, I saw the ball go through the kid's hands. I and, also and saw the them score said, 45 points. Yeah, they, they scored 45 points basically because of what happened in the second half. Yes, because they they couldn't stop them. They couldn't, but they couldn't go he, anywhere. He, he, he if, they, they, if they get a first down in any of those situations, when Josh, the game's over. If Josh Rosen wins the Heisman Trophy... This He's year, they'll they'll use they could just use all highlights from that game. Oh, absolutely! But is he? Josh Rosen himself said we had about ten times in that game where uh, we were inches away from not getting that. But they got it, and you got to stop them, and they didn't stop them. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck, help me educate Kevin here. 
Barry's, Barry's always the type. You're a great, uh, you're a great coordinator. I never said if he was you a great win, coordinator. You're a lousy coordinator. If you I lose. never said he was a great coordinator. I didn't say he was either. Okay, but, but no, they say that's they how say you're was. judging it by about about what happens. I, I, I'm not it, a defender is, of John Shavers, but I will say this: it's just like at Texas Tech. Uh, look, he's had how many coordinators has Cliff had out there now? Although this one has been there for a while. Uh, Gibbs was there, but for a while, going back to Tuberville, they had five defense coordinators in five years. And Texas now is uh, also on its sixth play caller, offensive play caller, in six years. Right. So these are not good. So to me, this is more a reflection on the head coach than it is on the coordinators. To me. I think if you you don't make the – if you're not making – Sure, that things get taken care of. If you're if you're not say looking at this and saying I got to pay, we got to pay more attention to this. I have to a first of all be getting the athletes to play these positions, and then secondly, I had to put an emphasis on it. There's a reason why Texas Tech is not any good on defense, and I think the reason is because Cliff Kingsbury is consumed by his offense. I'm not putting that on. David are, you looking, are you looking? Are you looking at another cat? Chuck. Chuck's looking at no, no. Uh, what well, I'm actually giving you both credit. Guess what? On this great debate of what caused the meltdown, you're both right. It took everything. Yeah, together. it did. It did. You, you are both absolutely right about what led to this and all the factors. You can't just blow. It's the second biggest comeback in NCAA, you know, FBS history. You yeah. know, this is like the 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 Oilers. Uh, Bill's oh. game for crying out loud, minus Frank Reich. You know, it's right. like uh, Music City Music Miracle. City Miracle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is this is the sort of thing where yes, it all came together, and that's why what makes it so maddening. I think because um, it's not just one thing you can point to; it's a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of major malfunctions across the board, I, and. You know, it's entertaining listening to you because that, that same conversation was being played out on Texax in yeah. real time as this whole thing is unfolding. And it's like everything from, you know, what what junior high kid did we put in charge of clock management to do yeah. we fire someone tonight or, or do we let them get on the plane and fire them tomorrow? You know, it's that sort of thing. You know, there were all kinds of tarmac jokes, but this... This becomes a situation, yes, the, the, the schedule now is manageable for the next three, four weeks until Alabama comes to town. So maybe they can write the ship, but, who, you know, I, 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 there's just too much already that has been said, too much that has come up in, in, in A&M, and, and already it's almost like we're moving to the post-mortem of the Kevin Sumlin era. Well, we know he's not going to go five and zero this year. Uh, but let me ask you this: um, Do you think that uh, have you heard from anybody that there's any kind of? Uh, well, let me talk about the, the Tony Busby uh, move by doing this. To me, this smacked of a guy who was trying to drum up uh, some uh, a populist nation here to call for the head of the uh, head coach because he can't get that kind of support from his fellow regents. I think that there's – I know that there is grum, there are grumblings among the regents about Kevin Sumlin. They're not happy with him, uh, and they certainly w- wouldn't mind if he went. But no one – I can't imagine anybody else on that board is saying, yeah, yeah, let's fire him right now. No, I, I don't uh, – and you also still have a, a mega buyout there. 
Right. You know, as, as somebody noted out, it's almost as much money as what J.J. Watt has raised for the city of Houston <laughs> right. with his philanthropic endeavors. And more power J.J. Watt. And I'm not making fun of what's occurred in Houston, but that gives you a magnitude of the sort of buyout we're talking here with Kevin Sumlin. Now, now Aggies may be tired of this and if the season really goes south, but I, I think there's a, you know, at the, at the same time, who Here's the other thing. Who do you go get get to replace him? With all due respect to Matt Mosley, don't see Dabo Sweeney quite in the mix here. Me neither. I, I just don't. And, and then the question becomes: Chip uh, Kelly. Chip, is Chip Kelly the right fit? Yeah. You know, I, I, he's recruited Texas well, but is Chip Kelly the guy you want for that? Maybe he is, and maybe he's willing to come to College Station. I, I don't know if it's if that's quite right. You know. Let's say Chad Morris wins eight or nine games at SMU and becomes a hot that, That's a good name, isn't it? Well, I, I've but, said it long. I thought that was the reason why he came to SMU was they want to get back in front of everybody in Texas, do a good job at SMU, and then go back to his alma mater. You'd be, certainly be getting the, you know, that for, for all those Aggies out of here who say, you know, we never hire one of our own. Gene Stallings was the last Aggie who was served as a head football coach at Texas A&M. Uh, I, I don't – to, for me, I don't ever believe in that kind of thing because uh, I remember, remember when Ken Hatfield went to Arkansas, there was no more popular uh, Razorback in the history of that school when he became head coach than Ken Hatfield. He was the guy who had the great punt return against Texas that set up their national championship season in 1964. And yet, when he, by the time he left uh, at Arkansas, he was so bitter right. uh, for, for the reaction he got from those fans. I remember standing on the sideline in one of those losses and him walking off the field. And as he's walking off and people are yelling at him, he's looking at him. He's staring at him, and he is drinking that in. So I, I think that's always a mistake to go back to your alma mater, frankly. So you you, you don't think Chad Morris would be good? Good? Uh, no, no, no. I don't. Uh, you know, they would like him, I think, and he's certainly done a good job. He's an offensive guy, and I think they want that. And and you know, uh, he's done a good job at SMU. I don't know that he's going to be. Oh my gosh, that's the answer. I mean, if it came down to for me, if Chip Kelly would come. You take uh, him. I take Chip Kelly over over him. A guy who has never recruited in the state of Texas. Chad, no. Chad, Chad's strength is supposed to be uh, no, his knowledge of the high school. It is, and I, but I don't think that AM does AM really need that help. SMU needs that help. Right. There's no question about that. Does AM really need help on recruiting? I, I don't think so. Go ahead, Chuck. Well, well, hey, and remember, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's recruited the state of Texas. Chip Kelly had bag band. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Get getting the, the getting the court get the kid out of Houston. Yeah, yeah. yeah he had a show cause to show for his recruiting. That's right. That's right. Uh, All right. So, are, are we all in agreement that the three schools we've talked about have a chance to win week, in next week? In week two, we got we got A and M has Nichols State next. Yeah, I'd week. say that's a that's a in the bag. Texas so has San Jose State. I'm not saying it's in the bag, but I, I'm going to pick Texas. And then Baylor has UTSA, I think. Baylor has UTSA. Which is uh, – That's uh, a little problematic uh, there, I think. That, that's all the, – the thing about it is with a loss to Liberty, you have no idea if that was just one of those things fluke and Baylor really has better talent and will regroup and do all the things that we're kind of expected to maybe, you know, at least try to get to five or six wins, or if that is just – an indication of all the problems there. That's what we don't know about Baylor. Uh, we assume that A&M and Texas still has the talent to take care of what 
look to be lesser opponents. Chuck, will you come back on with us next week if if uh, A and M or Texas loses? <laughs> Well, if there aren't any more, I just discovered a shrimp running on a treadmill. Oh, it's pretty fun. Are you, are you driving? Are you driving? <laughs> no, Chuck's, Chuck's a busy man. Now he's going to leave there and he's going to go to Austin and talk to those oh, guys. Oh, I thought he was on the road already from Waco to Austin. Uh, Chuck, are you on uh, the no, road? No, no, I'm, I'm coming here from the uh, from the uh, Billy W. Williams Family Lounge here at, uh, in at uh, Baylor, where we just had the press conference. And... Uh, uh, Matt Rule left an unopened bottle of water at the podium, which I snagged from my road trip. So, anyway. <laughs> Chuck, Chuck. We, uh, you know, the, the paper appreciates you being so economical. And you're, you're, and you're, killing, you're killing the rest of us. <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. Chuck, thanks for coming on with us, man. You're the best. Hey, always, always a pleasure, I right. say. Be, be, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Be, be well. Take care. You know, I, I was wondering, when, as I was walking up to the press box the other day in Waco, yeah, why why can Chuck not be here? <laughs> he, I, why not Chuck instead of me? Well, well, because he was in Austin in the morning. Yeah. It was an early kickoff. He could have yeah. written a story, come up, been in Waco. I could have been home. Wow. That is just like you to be thinking but, that. But, you know, I, but then I, I was sitting there, and I was talking to Suzanne Halliburton. Our old pal Our from old, Austin. From, from Austin. I think the only other person from a newspaper there was Suzanne, was Suzanne and I. Well, you just don't recognize him anymore. Oh, no, no, no. I think that was it. i tell you what. Uh, for all the problems that Baylor has had, I love covering games at that stadium. That's a beautiful uh, you're, setting. And you're home quickly. Yeah, an hour and a half away. That's not bad. I don't know. The thing is that, that just still stuns me to this day is that I I drove over that I thirty five bridge over the Brazos River. It looked like a big ditch at that point. Yes, a, a thousand times I never thought a thing about it, and yet the way they positioned that stadium on that river, uh, they did a fabulous. job. Oh, they did. That. You look you look out from the press box at all the boats out oh, there. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful setting. You can see the campus. They did a phenomenal job on all that, and it's just a shame that uh, everything that happened since then. Well, maybe it's not quite were, the way to but, put but it. Is maybe it? they were maybe they were able to build that stadium because, because of, of what, what they were able to do. What in they were able to do in football and how they were able to do or yeah. whatever. But Kevin, that, thanks for another brilliant engineering of a podcast. You know I, what? I, you quarterback. You quarterback this podcast. Well, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I quarterback. All I'm going to say is I did the lead-ins. You did. That was it. Uh but you know, uh, I, you know I, I I pretty much got that going now. You I got, think I'm thinking that if this this whole writing thing goes down the tubes that uh that maybe we get our own radio show. What do you think? Uh, uh, hopefully they'll be we'd need a fourth uh, all sports station to come in because none of none of the three are going. We're going to hire us. They're hiring. They're not hiring us. No, no, no. That's terrible. So they anyway, should. but so we we've obviously run out of things to talk about. We have, we have, we we moved on now. But we had what did we have on our podcast today, Barry. We had Babe Laufenberg, uh talking about backup quarterbacks, something he knows a lot about. Babe Laufenberg talking about second marriages, something he doesn't has. Hasn't done yet, but no. may, may in the future. I hope I, we better. His, his old buddy Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's marriage, which Babe, I, I was kidding, Babe. I asked him, Babe, did you know about Troy was getting married? He goes, Did I know Troy was getting married? I was there. He was at the wedding. So th- that was pretty much kept under kept under wraps. Uh, yes, it was. You we know, was, out. In we Santa, knew they were getting married. We just didn't know when. We didn't know Santa Barbara before no. the season. I guess once the season starts, uh, Troy won't have any free weekends. No. No, and uh, I forgot to ask if Joe Buck was at the wedding. Did, 
We didn't ask about any of the guests. Well, he wouldn't have told us anyway. I don't think so. I don't understand that. Do you got to sign something before you go to a touring it, it, wedding? It's like when you go to the royal, a royal wedding or a big high-profile wedding. I think you do. I think you, you know. Really? You sign a non-disclosure. Or you, well, did or, you have or, that when you got married? I wasn't a big high-profile wedding. Well, it was so long. A lot of people came to my wedding, pal. That, Including that, not, you. Not for, yeah, not for you. <laughs> There were people who came. They came for the bride. Who came they just came. to see. There were people who came just to see if people in Arkansas wore shoes. No, they, they came because everybody loved the bride and tolerated you. That's true. Because we all knew her as well. But that And that was, that was a long time ago. 30 years ago this summer. 30 years ago. Oh, my gosh. My wife, when we, we visited uh, Russellville recently, she remembered the hotel we stayed at. We passed by. She goes, we stayed at that hotel. That motel. It was a motel. Yeah. She, we stayed at the motel. And I'm like. I don't remember yesterday. How do you well, remember? There's not a lot of motels in Russellville, Arkansas. No, but it was the Four Seasons, wasn't it? No, it was not the way. <laughs> was it, it one season? The one season? It was a Holiday Inn when you and I stayed. But it's there. not a Holiday Inn now, it right? It's not a Holiday. Yeah, you know, it's the one season, I think. Yeah, or maybe half season. All right, so we and then we had Evan Grant talking about the Rangers. Talk about Rangers and his uh, and his uh, college well, picks and his lunch and his and, lunch. And where he's, go, where he's going to lunch today with Tom Stinson. Yeah, just retired. I think Stinson's our age too, which makes me a little nervous. A little older. You know, you'd be surprised how old some of these people are. Did you know Richard Justice he, is sixty-five? Let me tell you something. They look much younger than. Yeah, they do. do. That's a really sad thing. No, I didn't know Richard Justice is that sixty-five. Old. Yeah, I thought he was very well preserved. Oh yeah. Yeah, but we're we're young. We're young guns. Yeah, that's right, pal. All right, let's let's get out of here so we can go to lunch. Yes, yes, sir. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.